Time Theory Podcast. This week, I'm continuing my theorizing with Null, my first-time reader, as we head into chapters 10 and 11. So I hope you enjoy, and uh, here we go. On to chapter 10, leave-taking. Uh, this, now we're into the stables. Um, Perrin, who is hidden near some straw, is, is, rises up and joins the boys, and they're all carrying weapons. Um, so we know shit's getting serious. Rand's got his father's sword, Matt has his bow and arrows, and Perrin, who is hiding under a thick cloak, uh, has an axe hanging on his blacksmith's belt. Uh, no simple tool, this axe. Like Rand's sword, it is beautifully made. Perrin explains that Master Luhan had it made a few years ago, priorly, uh, a few years prior for a guard. But when it was complete and the guard wouldn't pay the fee, he gifted it to Perrin because he spotted him practicing with it a bit of time ago. Um, and I like the bit here because uh, you, you've written, I immediately, uh, myself immediately thought, well, at least two of them have a decent weapon. But then Lan points out that a bow is a good weapon like any if the user is brave enough to wield it. Um, it's, it's nice insight into the way Lan thinks there, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And it also made me think about it because, you know, I, I especially with the description of the other two weapons that we've had, it was like, oh, these are really cool weapons. And then it kind of briefly mentions the bow and you kind of go, eh, bow. Yeah. And then actually, if you think about it, it's a long range weapon. You can do a lot of damage with one. It's, it's probably a pretty good weapon to have. Yep. Very true. Um, it's, yeah. When you're using a sword or an axe, you're typically at closer range than you would be using a bow and arrow. Um, and depending on how you like to fight, that might be more advantageous. So um, it's it's nice. I like that that was pointed out here for me. Um, you know, because people don't just be like, oh, you know, you've got a bow and arrow, whatever. But um, it's, it's a nice way that Lan considers anything, you know, that someone's willing to use as a weapon is effective and, you know, can require respect um just a nice little insight into land there with his character he then continues on that nice little tone of you know using weapons and being brave to use it because they're going on a grim journey and they need to be prepared if they want to make it alive which is nice <laughs> always enlightening for you and make you feel good about the the trip you're about to take so the, the three you have notes here the three boys move further away from land and talk about the validity of moraine's claim that they are the target of the attacks uh, so a nice little bit of discussion you've got here. Ran explains that he thinks they're telling the truth um, because he checked out some details with the mayor. And then we get a bit of like, oh, uh, moment from Matt and Perrin. Like, you spoke to someone about this after Moraine told us not to. And neither have they told anyone they're going. They've both simply left notes to be found the next morning. And Ran mentions that when he told his father what was happening, he believed or at least agreed that they should go. And this is where they get told off. <laughs> <laughs> So Moraine wanders in and says, uh, you didn't leave a note? Excuse me? What? <laughs> but so yeah, she checks with Lan if they're ready. He says yes, and we should head off now. And then, dum dum the first surprise guest of the evening, Egwene, joins them, stating that they are not going without her. She has her own bundle and tells them that she has everything she needs and will not be left behind. Defiance burning hot in her eyes. Um, and your notes here are quite fun about Egwene and what you expected. Um... So you thought that uh, Egwene would not join them like this, and you briefly considered that maybe she had cast her own journey, and they may meet up at a later point, but this kind of really threw it, threw you for it, um, and you love that you've been thrown by this sort of appearance of Egwene joining them. Yeah, it was a nice twist, isn't it? You kind of, I, I was sort of settling into the idea that it was this 
this uh, boy's journey, I guess. Mm-hmm. And like they're going to go off and have this little adventure. And then she's thrown in there. And after, you know, she wanted to become uh, a wisdom. Um, yes. And had talked already about wanting adventure. I was kind of like, ooh, this is cool. Because she's, you know, she's, she's taking matters into her own hands, I guess. And I quite like that, that she's like, no, this is what I'm doing. I'm going with these guys. I'm going to have the adventure I want. Yeah. It's, 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 it's turn and turn about, isn't it? Like the boys have all been, you know, no, you've got to leave. Come on. And actually she's there like, mm, actually, I'm choosing to go with you as opposed to being told I need to go. Um, yeah. And it, yeah. That's the point, isn't it? That mm-hmm. they're all, they're being forced by circumstance. She's choosing to. You know, and, and she brushes them off when they try and say like that she can't go, which is, I think, a brilliant moment as well. All we get from Marine is basically, how did we were going? <laughs> I love the way that she does this. As you know, it's a, um, basically, she just saw them all, you know, like the boys stalking around and hiding. And it's just like, um, kind of obvious. <laughs> but when she's told that she can join the party, Lan is, gets a bit of a startled expression across his face. But disappears an instant, although his voice now betrays um, how he feels about it. He shouts no to Moraine. They argue, and Moraine telling him that she's now part of the pattern, while he points out it isn't safe for her. And your notes here are just, they don't need delving into it. It's just a fun thing you've written here. Well, we know who's winning this argument, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, Rand continues to warn her of the danger, but recognizes the tone and look that she has. And Land's like, fine, we can have the Gleeman's horse, we'll leave money for him to buy another one. And uh, then we have entry number two into the surprise category tonight. A voice from the hayloft, that won't be possible uh, because it's Tom jumping down. And this time Land basically whips out his sword completely and uh, is pretty much, I don't know how you felt when you read this, but when I read this, I was like, this dude's about to get his neck chopped. Yeah, I... I, I... (laughs) It's interesting because Lan's obviously there as the protector and he, somebody just appears from the loft. So I, I understood why he drew, drew the sword. I yeah. was expecting him to immediately be like, all oh, right, okay. But he doesn't, does he? He's kind of like, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep the sword still, out. Yeah, I I might still cut you up. Yeah. And Perrin gets a bit of the, the wrath here at this as well because Lan had delegated out the checking of the space to make sure no one else is around and... Parents like, oh, I didn't think to look at the loft. Sorry, dude. You know. Um, yeah. But again, more exchange here, and and Tom joins the party as well. You know, it's uh, uh, well, just I love this line. We'll we'll just say that quickly. Your favorite sentence here is, "He looked skewed, sat at the warder's sword." There's no need for that. I am not a cheese for slicing. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm curious um, about your thoughts here about all the people just joining into the the party all of a sudden and Moraine's reaction to them. Yeah, okay. So this, this it's a bit weird. I mean, I, I guess I kind of brushed it off with her saying, you know, this is how, oh, what's her words? Uh, it's the will of the pattern. Or, um, yeah. I don't know if you've actually quoted part it. Of the pattern. I didn't quote it, did I? No. But it, no. It, oh, they're, they're part of the pattern now. Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely a phrase it, that's used. It's... She's kind of uh, blasé about it, isn't she, really? I mean, they've literally just told everybody, don't tell anyone. And then as people join, she's just like, oh, well, whatever. 
Yeah, like <laughs> Rand's been Rand's been told off for talking to his father because the boys left notes, and you know they've been caught out by two people. I don't know about you, but I feel like Tom just lucked out by finding them. Like he was just there. Um, yeah, yeah, he he was a uh, chilling out up in the loft, wasn't he? Yeah, probably um, asleep just there. But they've got and realised they're there. But he's what's interesting is that I could I could definitely understand why Moraine allows Egwene to join. Because Egwene's got that kind of fiery, she's got a presence, hasn't she? She's mm. she's determined, and I yes. can kind of see why Moraine would look at her and go, "Yeah, okay." Like she's got will, and she's she's um, taking control, sort of thing. So yeah, she can come. Guess I can see why she'd see a spark in her and be like, "Yeah, cool, come along." Cool. Tom, however, is just like. <laughs> He's asleep upstairs. Like, yeah. Just gone, yeah, hi guys, I'm, I'm joining. Uh, I would have expected a bit more of a, uh, we don't know you, I don't know who you are. Yeah. Um, How does this tie in with the way he's reacted to Moraine in earlier moments in the book? Because you've pointed out that he seems unsure, awkward, um, you know, uh, a little bit standoffish wary, is not the right word. wary that's the word thank you wary of her and then in this scene we've got him just being like well actually i'm going to join in with you as well thank you very much well um, i think he used the excuse that there's not much going on there is there um and he's sort of like i'm gonna come with you and it's going to be more interesting than you know staying around here doing nothing that's true i believe um, he does mention safety as well traveling uh through where there's trucks yeah around. safety in numbers yeah, yeah. uh so you just think he's the, the Trollocs and the, the situation is just kind of overridden that wariness, so to speak. Or is it is it because of the adventure? So he's heard this and he's gone, huh, that's an interesting sort of story to tell or to... He does tell stories, that is true. If you want to uh, impress people and tell stories and have something to sell, mm-hmm. like this kind of adventure already at the start of it sort of sounds... Like something you'd be like, oh yeah, I could tell people about this. This will be interesting. This is going to go somewhere. That is true. Um, here's here's a question for you. Um, and I know what I thought when I first read this bit. For both characters, um, what do you think would have happened if Moraine had said no to the characters? Uh... Let's let's do Egwene first. So Egwene says, "I'm joining," and Moraine says, mm, "No, you're not." What do you think she, she does? Followed. She would have followed. Yeah, she would have followed behind. Do you, the, the, I, I just... don't see like how she would have taken no as a, an actual answer. It just wouldn't happen. I think she's determined and she would have just gone, yeah, whatever. Literally just sort of followed them out the door type thing. Well, you know, maybe snuck behind. Okay. Short distance away sort of thing. But I don't think that would have lasted very long because I feel like Moraine and uh, Lana are are too aware of their surroundings, I think they would have clocked onto that. So it, she basically would have been with them. There's no, <laughs> no See, other choice. And maybe that is why Moraine was so like, yeah, cool, come along. Okay. So, I mean, when I first read that, I was like, well, it's a good job Moraine said yes, because I feel you would have been tied up in the corner by land type thing. But I hadn't considered the fact that she would stubbornly follow them once she got three. So, um, yeah, that, I think that's that's a fair... Uh, perception of her character tom though um if moraine had said no that tom couldn't join them what do you think might have happened there without 
without really knowing too much about his his character as a whole, it it makes me question whether he would have uh, alerted people. Okay. I, mean, I don't know enough about him to know how sort of morally good he is, but I, I just did air quotes then and realised that <laughs> no I, one can see it. Nobody can see it. Um, when we ah, uh, do you know what? Just to interrupt you for a moment, when we do the last chapters in the book. We need to do it as a Zoom call, and I'll live stream it on my YouTube channel. <laughs> yeah, and then you can do your air quotes. Um, <laughs> uh, I'll just air quote the whole thing. I'll just have a hand up. Just hand up the whole time. <laughs> we'll get you an emoji that does it. Um, but yeah, when I first read uh, this, yeah. I was worried for Tom's life personally. Yeah, I mean, okay, I was thinking of it as a reaction, uh, an interaction between Moraine and Tom, but actually, you. You're 100% right because Land's got a sword out and he's ready. Yeah. You know, he didn't put it away. He didn't sort of. Ready to uh, slice him like cheese. Yeah, he didn't relax. Which, you know, if he wasn't willing to do something, he would have done. He would have, you know, at least put sword back or, you know, stepped back or something. There would have been yeah. some sort of um, disarming sort of motion. But there wasn't. There was just a, I'm going to wait and see what happens here. Yeah. No, it's, um, yeah, I was definitely concerned for Tom. Um, I thought that uh, he was going to be on the end of a water stick, so to speak. <laughs> but it doesn't work out that way. And uh, we, we get them heading out. So the the group of five has now become a group of seven. I um, really like here, sort of, the, the next little bit that... Mm-hmm. Um, Rand gives Egwene his horse. Bella! Yeah. I, I think that was lovely. I think that was like a... It's only a very brief moment, but mm-hmm. the idea that he's like, you know, they're discussing what horses people are going to have and how this is going to work and that most of the horses aren't strong enough to... or fast enough to, to keep up. And yeah. And sort of defend Bella and then sort of says, well, she can have Bella. Yeah, it's a nice um, moment there, isn't it? You know, it's his dedication to um, a creature that he's helped raise and look after that comes from his home, uh, but he's also being very generous and, and sharing it with, you know, his, for want of a better phrase, betrothed. Um, so it's a nice it, moment. It's nice as well when I think about the first interactions between Rand and Egwene and how I wasn't sure whether he was interested. Yeah. And then to see that, um, it it kind of made me just feel like, okay, he is, but he's not very good at showing it or knowing <laughs> what to do. It's a bit but ac- he's awkward. <laughs> yeah, and I think I, I might have said that when we talked about it, but he's, even in these little moments, he's thinking he wants to try and prote- protect her. Yeah. And and do little things, you know, it's, it's sweet. Yeah, it is sweet. It's very sweet. I, I like it. It's um, a nice little moment between the two of them. Um, and even Lan's just like, well, you know, there's not much better to go for. So fair enough. <laughs> um, but yeah, so basically there's a lot of, you know, hopping on your horses and, and, and getting stuff together. And Rand's again, a nice little moment, like, I'll protect you. And she's like, maybe I'll protect you instead type thing. Um, yeah. But then they'll protect each other. So it's nice little, as you say, carries on that bonding there uh, between them, which is, is very cute. He hops on clouds. Um, there's an owl hooting. And... Uh, Lan remarks that would have been better. Uh, it would have been better if it was a wolf, because he explains that wolves and trollocs don't mix. If it had been a wolf's howl, they could assume no trollocs were near. 
um, which is obviously quite creepy, and just in general. Uh, they slowly move through the village, hoping to leave without a trace. Although I don't know how well that's going to be achieved, considering how easily Egwene picked up that they were leaving. <laughs> yeah. You know? Um, yeah. As uh, they're almost away, just coming to pass the inn, the sounds of boots causes land to stop and shush the group. From across the wagon bridge, the noise came and continued till the wearers were in front of the inn. John Thane appeared out of darkness with a spear propped against his shoulder. He looks around the inn, gives them the all clear, and leads a group of 12 men haphazardly armed away. So that watch has been set up as spoken about. And uh, suddenly everyone's wearing bits of armor, which is quite interesting in that Two Rivers place. Even like, where have they found all this? I, I was sort of imagining sort of pans on top of heads, that sort of armor. <laughs> <laughs> I've just got what's that? What's that bloody movie where um, it's it's like a, a comedy sketch the entire time, and like they they don't have money to get actual horses in. They use like coconuts for the hooves, and a guy just hopping along. Uh, uh, Monty Python uh, in it. Monty Python, and it is. Uh, uh, can't remember what it's, it's called. Life of, Life of Brian. It's. Uh, oh dear, that, Holy Grail. Brian. It's in chat. Yeah. Thank you. Yes, thank you. <laughs> thank you to our Patreon and their snakes and foxes. For uh, yeah, the Holy Grail. It's um, it's hilarious. <laughs> that's that's what's stuck in my head now. There we go. Head cannon now that they're all wearing pots and pans and, and stuff. <laughs> um, but yeah, so they head out towards Taran Theory, and uh, Rand's looking at the sky, and and basically a dark shape flies across the moon's light, and he tries to figure out its size and shape. I think it must be as big as a human, as it swooped into the darkness. And Lands notice this. He he sort of pops back and like, "What are you doing?" And he explains what he's in, and uh, he expects Land to dismiss it, but he makes a guttural sound and says a word that I would like you to attempt to pronounce, please, sir. Uh, Drakkar. Yay! Are you doing well tonight, mate? I like this. I must Can have we been... have a tally, please? A we tally. A tally I'll just look at the the claps in the uh, in the chat sort of thing. So uh, if I go back, you've got uh, two. Uh, I'll give you two and a half because you've got murder on the second attempt. Uh, we'll give you a half for Minethrin because you got close. Um, and this one, so what was that? Two and a half, three. You got four out of five there, mate. I like it. Or four out of six. Lovely stuff. Four out Lovely of six. Uh, excellent. Nicely done. Nicely done. Um, but yeah, so we've got the car. Uh, so that's where, you know, basically we need to fucking hustle at this stage because this is not a good thing. Egwene asks what it is, and Tom is the one who answers. He says, uh, during the war that ended the Age of Legends... More than Trollocs and Halfmen were created. Uh, but then Moraine basically cuts him off with a sharp look. And before any questions can be had or said, they were moving off into the darkness. I like your thoughts here for the sort of summarizing chapter 10. Um, this chapter kind of threw me. I, feel, I felt like I've reached a point where I'm begging for the adventure to begin. While in truth it already has, I flip between wanting more and questioning everything when something new is given. A good example of this is towards the end of the chapter. I was desperate for them to just get on with it already. And then suddenly, Drakkar! I'm then forced to slow down to again be filled with questions, wanting more explanation than I'm given. Robert Jordan, you sly bugger, you got me good. <laughs> it, it just drops little bits in, even there when we were, you were just reading that back and uh, Moraine shooting the look um, in the darkness to kind of cut him off from answering. I'm like, why? Why doesn't she want the explanation? Is it because of talking? Or is it because of something that's going to be said? Like, I'm constantly just going, what? Why? Why? Tell me more. <laughs> I'm, I'm curious about this look just in general. I mean, it can pierce darkness. That's a hell of a look. 
was, you know, like, I mean, we've all been scorned by our mothers. We all know that feeling. I don't care who you are, but, um, you know, it, you would like to believe that wouldn't pierce darkness. Well, it might in some cases, but, you know, in my case, I don't feel it did pierce darkness. But uh, yeah, it's a hell of a look. So, and there is so many things, so many questions. And you do get little dribbles of information here and there, little bits of, of this, little bits of that. I mean, you get that whole info dump about Manetherin. But again, it's, as you say, it's just being sly there because it's like, well, I want more information about why the Trollocs there. What, what is Moraine up to? What, you know, where, where are they going? What are they doing? All the questions you've been asking me. And he's, Robert Jordan's there like, yeah, here have half a chapter about, you know, a civilization that existed a thousand years ago and died instead. <laughs> and from what I gather from you talking about it and how there's, you know, later on in the box, there's answers to a lot of things. And, you know, it, it gives you bits of information that you, you wanted. Hmm. He's been very clever in writing this. So you have to go back and read them again. It is. Because I, I, it, as soon as you learn something, you're going to want to go back to when you first read about it so you can kind of go, ha, all right, I understand that now. Well, I can tell you, I've read, um, I mean, anyone who's familiar with my content is, no, I've said this a few times now, but I've read the first 10 books at least 10 times. Um, I mean, I've read Eye of the World probably about 15 or 20 times, something ridiculous like that. And I was listening to Morgan, who does Podcast of the Dragon, um, she is a really insightful woman um, in, in her podcast. If you haven't um, checked it out, you, you should check it out. She does brilliant stuff. Very, very insightful. Um, complete spoilering. So sorry, Nelly, you can't listen to it. Um, but, you know, when we get to the end of the book, she can. And I was listening to one of her episodes because I'm slowly working my way through all of my fellow content creators, podcasts and stuff, because, uh, you know, the, it's great to get all these different views and, and just listen to their discussions. And she was talking about a stage on the journey uh, with two of the characters and um, all the, the 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 ups and downs and things they go through uh, in this book, actually. So we'll get to that stage and I'll, I'll be able to tell you about it when we get there. And it gave me a real appreciation for those two characters. Um, but also there was things in there I was like, hold up, we had flashbacks in those scenes? I didn't remember any flashbacks in those scenes. And I'm like, and I've read this book like 15 times. So there's always things to pick up. Um, you know, I mean, I run a podcast and a YouTube channel about these books and I'm still learning stuff about them as we do it. So, <laughs> you know, as you say, it is very cleverly written. Um, and, you know, I, I hope you do when we get to the end of it, you do go back and, and enjoy them again at some point. No, uh, you know, hope this is something that uh, you, you treasure for many years to come. So, I can guarantee I will reread this because I know for 100% that I want to read it without making comments. And just enjoy the flow. Because what, yeah, because there's, there's I, I mean, I really like making the notes, actually, because it's a good way of processing. But there's something to be said for just reading through and letting it sort of flow in. Mm -hmm. You might not pick up as much because I'm not looking at every sentence and going, oh, is there something I need to make note of here? But the, I guess the movie sort of plays out in your head a little bit differently. It does. It absolutely does. You're quite right. Um yeah, when I read it now or listen to it, I hear things and I'm I'm analyzing it instead of just enjoying it. And I still have the movie play in my head, but it's not flowing the way it did the first time or the second time I read it because of the analyzing. So you're just doing the analyzing in advance. <laughs> You'll still love it. <laughs> but on to chapter 11, and uh, then we will have caught up on everything, which is 
fabulous considering it's months ago since we were last here <laughs> so the road to Taran ferry uh, it's a fairly quick chapter in pace um so let's try and be a little pacey with it um i think that could be good but we're racing on north road moraine up front and rand in the rear uh checking back periodically but no sign of Drakal. anything else he's trying to keep clouds to uh you know not going full pelts because he's very powerful because uh, he's just focused on keeping an eye on uh, bella and Gwen with his fort swirling with concern for both the horse's ability to keep up in the long run and concern over if Egwene would get left behind should Bella slow. Um, you notice here, while Rand knows Moraine and Lan think the three lads as important, he's not so sure about their feelings when it comes to Egwene, other than Lan not wanting her along. Um, I'll finish the rest of this little section here because we can then cover all the notes together. He decides if Bella slows that he would too. In his head, he shouted at Bella to run, willed the light to help her, and she did run. And your, your notes here. Now, it's just a, a coincidence, a turn of phrase. Obviously, the horse is already running. Uh, are we seeing the first sign of a hidden power, or am I just reading into the moment too much? So let's um, go over that. So first off, if Egwene slowed, you know, and ran, obviously, you know, has already decided to slow with her. Do you feel that Moraine and Lan are going to do the best to keep a part of the group or just cut and run and take Rand off type thing? Uh, obviously, I've read further on and I, I know a few more things now. But uh, I mean, I, I don't think they would have left. Oh, I, I don't know. <laughs> Trying to think how I felt at the time of reading this. and It's okay to say I you don't know, like, mate. <laughs> I feel, well... I feel like they, uh, yeah, I guess I, I don't think they've, I wouldn't have said they thought she was important. Okay. I mean, they've, they've allowed her to come along and, um, you so know, maybe, maybe Moraine saw something in her, but I don't think it was like the reason they're leaving is to take these three, three lads away. So that's their priority. Yeah. So they'll take everyone they can, but if need be three boys and that's it type thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's fair. Yeah. You know, it is um, it is an awkward situation <laughs> where you've had someone just join the group last minute. Um, but I want to dig into your next comments here, um, you know, about is this a turn of phrase? The horse is, is already running. And you've put hidden power, or am I just reading into the moment too much? Upon reflection, um, and now you finish the rest of the chapter, um, do you, what are your thoughts here? Hidden power, reading too much into it? Like, turn a phrase, where where are you leaning on this one? Because this is, it's an interesting sort of set of notes you've got here. Uh, uh, right from the start of the book, I thought that Rand was going to be the hero, inverted commas. Mm -hmm. um, so my automatic reaction is to hope that little things will happen that give him that edge, that make him that hero. Okay. So I, I, I want it to be that he has without knowing how or understanding or realising he's uh, helped Bella pick up pace and keep going. Okay. <laughs> I, I constantly self-doubt, so I, I think <laughs> that I'm probably reading into it too much, but that's what I'd like to be. I'm, I'm going to make, make a decision. So he's done something here to help Bella. Um, 
that we're unable to I, articulate. I want it to be true, so I'm going to say it's true. Okay. what has happened. So you're leading... Okay, right. So he's he's done something to Bella um, to make her run faster or, or better or whatever um, because you want it to be the case. Fair enough. Yes. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, you know, I just... Well, you, you've got the notes there, so I just wanted to dig into it. Because um, otherwise we're just summarizing the book and that's kind of boring, isn't it? So... <laughs> But on and on they speed um, and suddenly land slows the group and they, they're they surrounded by houses and you're like, okay, where are we? And they've made it all the way to Watch Hill, which is, is quite a fair trek. Um, all the horses have worn out in the group, except uh, all the horses and obviously the group um, are feeling quite weary at this stage. Uh, it's a lot of running to, riding to have done, uh, except for Lana Moraine. Um, and they they speak of longing. They speak longingly of stopping to rest for a while at the Watch Hill. Uh, they can hear the festivities still in the air. And uh, Moraine is moving slowly from horse to horse. And Land tells them they cannot stop for more than a few minutes till they have crossed the Taran. Uh, Rand protests the horses won't survive another run like that without rest. And that's when he realizes what Moraine is doing as she passes each horse. She lays a hand on it, and the horse regains its strength. Cloud begins to pull and swing his head like he's rested all week. And I'll I'll just do the rest of the, the bit here because uh, your notes kind of fit in and uh, it, it it asks the question I want to ask is is semi answered here but gives you a bit more to it. So Lan explains that after um, the horse Moraine will ease tiredness in all of them. And when Rand asks about himself, Lan uh, he replies that neither he nor Moraine need it yet and that she cannot heal herself anyway. Moraine will be the only one riding tired. Moraine then says to Rand that he was right about his horse Bella. She is strong and stubborn like the two rivers folk. She may be the least wary of all the horses. And your notes here. All right. So did he? Didn't he? He has a connection to the power. Hmm. Have I fought? <laughs> I have a thought, although I may just be taking too much of a leap here. Is he the true dragon? Is the other something else? Or is this this to do with his origins? Are they the true power users by nature? <laughs> like, the notes are starting to ramble. Well, there's, that's it for notes. But... <laughs> That's that's actually it for the notes there, um, in terms of your thoughts. But I could just I could feel your mind processing, just like, uh, you know, throwing out random things now at this stage. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, well, so it's all sort of connected because you asked me about whether I, uh, I thought why one of them might be important, and I said dragon, and it's back there, so my brain was on there. Okay, well, so. You, I mean, you've got the phrase. Are we going for? We're going to quote your phrase here. True dragon. Is that? Uh, is that a prediction we're making here? Yeah. Why not? Sure. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Um, right. But I think the the real thing about this was that it kind of made me think that he had used some sort of power to to push Bella on if she. She's a farm horse, isn't she, really? Yeah, so, she oh, is. She's going to be sturdy and strong, but she's not going to be have stamina doing things like running for miles and miles and miles or kilometers. Yeah. Live elsewhere. Uh, so for her to be the least weary is a bit weird. So it, it does make me think that maybe he has helped her in some way. Okay. Well, let's dig into this um, true dragon phrase because you've mentioned is the other something else. So that's in reference to the dragon that was mentioned um, by the peddler at the beginning, wasn't it? Yeah. So you're saying true dragon. Um, uh, trying to think what question I'm trying <laughs> I'm to ask. To say something. I'm trying to ask a question here w- without throwing out too many, 
without, I'm not throwing out any spoilers, but, you know, without then throwing out spoilers by doing it. What do you mean by true dragon? Do you mean that the other one is not a true dragon? Do you mean... That, you know? I, yeah, because it, well, I mean, it mentions when you're initially learning about it that there have been these dragons in the past. But they, okay. I can't remember exactly what it says, but it says they can't do something, but this one can. Right. Um, which is why they kind of think that it, it might be a real, that person might be a real dragon. Um, but yeah, and then I was kind of like, oh, well, is that person not actually the dragon is still on my Randy's a hero sort of train of thought, I guess. That's cool. I, I'm not going to dig any more into this because I don't want to, I can't ask any question I want to ask to get your opinion on something without making it a reveal about whether you're right, wrong, in the ballpark, not even aware that the game baseball exists, you know, to use that analogy. Um, like, no matter what question I ask, it's going to reveal something about the situation and I don't want to reveal anything. So I'm not going to dig anything okay. more into there. Um, Quick question. What's baseball? What's ba- <laughs> That's the phrase, isn't it? Like, are you in the ballpark? It's baseball. That's what, you know, it's in the ballpark. <laughs> right. So uh, on to the baseball section of the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So, carrying on uh, with the book section of the podcast, <laughs> we have the Drakkar appearing, screaming, uh, swooping down. Basically, Rand feels its wings slap at him. Uh, Cloud freaks out, um, and everybody's just screaming. The horses going everywhere, um, and people are trying to calm the horses, except for Moraine and Lan. And Watch Hill is very, very quiet. The people who are listening, um, they'll be listening after that scream, but. After a moment, it kind of just, they're like, eh, whatever, you know, and they carry on. It's all just forgotten in the merriment. That suggests to me they're all quite drunk. Um, yeah. Yeah. Quite a freaky moment here from Lan. I don't know how you felt when you read this, but Lan tells them to mount and that the Drakkar would not have attacked unless it had already reported their location, marking them for the Halfman. Uh, and then we get more screams a bit more distant at this point. Um, how are you feeling in this moment with uh, the, <laughs> this situation? Uh-huh. I'm expecting it all to really kick off. Right. Because, you know, you suddenly learn. that I was kind of expecting that maybe they were going to get followed or maybe there was going to be someone waiting for them. You know, some sort of little interaction. Mm-hmm. But some giant winged creature swooping down was kind of like, well, okay, something serious about to happen. And then he tells them that, you know, that, it will have reported back where they are. So yeah. they're now definitely being hunted. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, what's going to happen? Yeah. I, I, I was expecting some massive massacre or, you know, some huge fight. Well, we get the, the we don't get a huge fight. We get a fleeing sort of scene um, <laughs> yeah. where they just hop on the horses. And for those who weren't on their horse at that stage, because of the, the bucking, rearing and freaking out, um, and they dash off uh, through the village in a knot. Land's like, spread out. Come on, don't get so close. Um, and there's more shrieks, and they're just like, no, we're sticking together. And he's like, all right, whatever, fine. Rand- yeah, I think he's trying to organize them, isn't he? He's trying to get them all to settle down and just get on with it. And they're all yeah. panicking. I'm imagining the horses sort of just spinning around as they're going up the, up the road. Yeah, yeah, just being like, what? You know, gonna get, stay close, stay close. It's all scary and freaky. Definitely, it's, um, it's a scary moment. Egwene's loving it, though. You know, she's there, delight in her eyes. I presume she was laughing. 
until a, a fly bites me and causes a fit of coughing. <laughs> and your notes, despite the danger, this adventure clearly she's been longing for and it shows, um, which is very true. We've spoken a lot about her, her desire for adventure. Uh, we've got Lan asking Marin a question that we can't hear and she says she cannot do it from the back of a horse so they must run and hide. Which, for me, for a little bit about her limitations on the power. So we already dealt with that earlier with, you know, her discussion on what they used to be able to heal. But uh, again, just another reminder here that you know, she she can't do some things from the back of a running horse. Which is it? I know you can't answer this, but it it would imply to me that when she does things, it requires a lot of concentration. And something like being on the back of a horse that's galloping down the road is not. Well, it's obviously not the ideal place to concentrate on something that requires you to sort of really think about it. For once, Mel, I'm going to answer you, um, because it's not spoilery. We've already seen that it requires a fair bit of concentration for her to do big tasks. Uh, you know, in the case of, of healing Tam, for example, you know, she's like, all right, stay, but be quiet, don't move. I need to concentrate. Um, you know, that I said I are not as skilled as they used to be um, in things in general. Uh, we, you know, we've discussed that in this actual, this episode right now, um, that, you know, they're not quite as skilled. So it, it's not spoilery to say that it does take a level of concentration to do it. You do need to be focused. And obviously being on a horse would give you less focus in general, especially then when you put in the fact that it's galloping. So, um, yeah. Um, um, it, 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 it's interesting then to say that, so the the next little bit talks about the fog, obviously, and we'll get to that, but whatever they were talking about is not the fog because the fog happens. Yeah, which so it's like... Fog what? doesn't need much concentration compared to whatever it is that was going to, or could have happened. Yeah, which says to me that uh, Lan was asking for something pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe fireworks. Yeah, uh, well, who knows? Um, it's very possible. They were meant to be fireworks, <laughs> as promised at the beginning. <laughs> this. But yeah, so as we say, the, the fog appears. So the horses run through thin tendrils of fog. Rand thought he must have imagined it. It was too cold and night for fog. Then more appeared next to them. A shriek of rage. Soon they became enveloped of it. En enveloped in fog. So much so that Rand could only make out Tom and Egwene besides him. Uh, Lan calls out there is still only one place to go. And Moraine shouts that Merdral are sly. They will use that against it. You've put slatty mist. <laughs> Obscures the sky. <laughs> No clue. Maybe no. slaty. Sorry? Maybe slaty, but I have no clue why I said that. No? Okay. Well, I mean, some, some type of mist. A, a type of mist, ladies and gents, is obscuring the sky <laughs> and the ground, so they appear as shadows floating on. Uh, and as we've discussed, the mist is Moraine's doing. Uh, he's Rand's very uncomfortable with the power being used. You know, it's, it's dampening his skin and he's holding his breath. And then when he realizes he's holding his breath, he's like, come on, dude. Like, she used those powers on Tam. Take a breath, you, you know. Can't ride without breathing, dude. <laughs> yeah, it's the initial shock, isn't it? Because he's he's been told all his life yeah. that Isodine and stuff are scary, and then this power's being used, and the initial reaction is, oh, oh my god, this person is is displaying something that I've been told to fear. Mm -hmm. And then he has to remind himself that actually it's that same power that has just been used to heal someone he loves. Yeah, you know, so you're just being it's some you know get over your initial reaction type thing. Um, mm. But yeah, we, we, they're galloping on, um, no idea how long, but eventually, you know, they've been soaked through by the fog and they draw reins and they find that they've made it all the way to Tarrant Ferry, 
which is a pretty hell of a journey to have made in that much time. People waking up and start their day and Rand has a little recollection about what Tarrant fairy people are like. Um, your brief notes here that say they don't like going into the, quote, lower villages. Their noses up as if they smell something bad. The ones that he'd met had unusual names like Hilltop or Stoneboat. And Tarrant fairy folk have the reputation of slyness and tricky. If you shake one's hand, you should count your fingers after. <laughs> it's quite a crappy reputation, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. That, well... I don't know whether I said it in the notes. Um, uh, your notes here. We all know people like this. Ha ha ha. Those that see themselves as better than... Oh, you didn't... The ha 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 was me, by the way. Um, <laughs> sorry. Those that see themselves as better than others. I like the inclusion. While you obviously have bad guys, the Trollocs half and fades and dark one, it's nice to see normal people are not the same. That a normal class divide is represented as it should be. Real or fantasy, a world would still have those who see themselves as better and those who are looked down upon. Which I like. You know, that... It's not a perception I had initially. I would just like, you know, for me, this is, you know, Brit Tate French um, type situation. <laughs> you know, like. Yeah, it is that snobbishness, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's, it's uh, these people see themselves as, as um, better, even though really they're just the same. They live in a small sort of village town. Exactly. They all work for a living. They all do the same things. It's just. It's a, it's a really nice piece of world building, I always thought. Uh, yeah, yeah. And it's just dropped in there, so so simply. Um, the names Hilltop and Stoneboat, I don't know about you, I'd, I'd like to know what you think here. When I read those, I just thought of Shire names. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe not Stoneboat, you know, um, half, um, oh God, um, Hobbits. There we go. They don't generally go boating, so to speak, but um, they just felt like Hobbit names, I have to say. Yeah, and actually, the I, I didn't even clock, pardon me, I didn't really clock onto it when I was writing these notes, but the the change in last names from Edmondsfield to Taron Berry yeah. is, is, is very different. It is. Like it, <laughs> the Edmondsfield names are almost made up in in the creation of them. Yeah, we've got Alvir, we've got Althor, we've got Thane, um, you know, Cawthon. Ibarra, you know, they, as you say, they're like, what is it? Oh, I'm just throw some letters together and make some sounding names. Here we've got Hilltop, Stoneboat, you know, like, I almost suspect one like Doorstep, you know, <laughs> <laughs> something bizarre like that, you know. <laughs> but uh, I hadn't noticed, yeah, it's just that short, well, I say short journey because it, they, they gallop the whole way, but that relatively short journey, really, um, and the names have completely changed. Not something I picked up either, really. Um, I, I just went down the, the Hobbit boat myself. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, so we start getting into uh, trying to find, you know, someone to come out. They're banging on the door and, you know, Matt's like, oh, I thought it would be quiet. And we get out a man who's barely dressed, uh, who is the ferryman, we discover. Um, Master Hightower. So there we go, Hightower, another weird name. Um, they yeah. tell me to cross and Hightower's like, you know, not at this hour, come on. Uh, until Land starts dropping the pennies and suddenly he's like, oh, okay, I think I can do this. But I love your thoughts here. Um, just a thought, is the money real? Land seems to be able to reduce an awful lot of it, paying for the inn or the horses, which has been suggested would be pretty penny and now enough to cover the, to cross the river and make Master do it. So in the very hours, early hours of the morning. Do you feel like he is creating money out of thin air still? 
Uh, I do. <laughs> yeah, I do, actually. I, I, okay. I think there's something weird about that, the whole... Why, if it was real, why would you carry so much? That, that to me, is not a normal thing. And I, I mean, she's magic. He's a warder, like... And then I would they're have not allowed to be rich? Well, no, it's more <laughs> that I would have expected... I play devil's advocate now, by the way, sorry. I think I would have expected her to carry it if it was real. Okay, I see what He's you're saying. He's her warder, why is he carrying all the money? I suppose you could argue that, yeah, but he'd be doing... Perhaps he'd be doing things like buying stuff for her. But it just it feels a bit weird. I don't know. Okay. Maybe it's just me. It's just me. It's just a fun moment to mention. I like it. We'll, we'll keep... Uh... We'll keep an eye on it, see if it comes back up in the books. You never know. Um, your notes here. <laughs> Interesting. So Master Hightower nods agreement, hugs the coin, suggests knocking the uh, yeah knocking the door closed with his hip. And when Land tells him they will not wait, they will wait, but not for long. You've written here in your notes, typical conservative. <laughs> edit. Maybe yeah. don't say the last line. Don't want to upset any right wing fools. Extra edit. Definitely don't call them right wing fools or assholes or cold hearted psychopaths. <laughs> So um, I think it's safe to say that uh, Null is not a conservative. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But that is the end of chapter 11. One chapter left. So, yeah, I'm definitely going to split this up because we've been recording for two hours and 11 minutes now. (laughs) Yeah, I know, right? I think we did this the first time we recorded as well, didn't we? And uh, I feel like we reached about uh, three hours the first time. Yeah, and I had to just sort of like... I sped through the last chapter and then we just talked about your notes, but um, there's not an excessive amount here. So uh, it's, it's good fun. Um, but yeah, I can't believe that. Wow. Uh, right. On to chapter 12, Across the Taran. Um, basically, everyone's feeling a bit achy. Uh, but everyone's feeling achy from their rush, um, except for their feet. And the bit of conversation here that you, you've mentioned... Um, a brief snippet, Moraine telling Land that he must, you know, you must handle it if I stand, if, I think you've missed the words here, basically, if I do it, I will stand out in his mind. Um, and you've put clearly talking about Master Hightower, do they also know how to alter memories, or does she mean handle it? As, <laughs> yeah. I presume you mean kill there? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, uh, it, it kind of just, it was a bit like, right, okay, you need to fix this, uh, you need to eliminate this problem. And I was like, hmm, does that mean sort of, you know, hack, hack? Or does it mean... Okay. You know? Well, I, I know you write these notes as you read, so sometimes they can be changed um, by reading a chapter or two further. And obviously, um, you, you've read by the end of the chapter. Um, but, so we know he doesn't, you know, handle it, as you've put. But do you think he can alter memories? Uh, no. No, okay. Cool. I just thought I'd ask no, that question. Not from anything read. I've seen so far, it... Uh, You've only read up to the end of this chapter, haven't you? So uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, cool. Um, and and certainly, if someone could alter minds, I would. I would looking back on my notes and obviously rethinking about it. It wouldn't be him anyway. I don't think it'd right. be Moraine. Fair, yeah. I mean, she's the one who's got the power, so I can understand that full process. Lovely. Okay. Um, so moving on, the rest of the chapter there, they head out on to. Uh, oh no, before they head out, uh, basically Lang goes around and starts putting the boys in, uh, I suppose, poses, um, making sure their their weapons can be seen, uh, because out of the fog, Master Hightower and six burly men carrying torches approach, 
Tom lifts an empty hand, twirls it, and with a flick, a dagger appear causes Moraine and Egwene to laugh, which she sim- swiftly attempts to suppress. Um, and your notes here, your fair amount notes here, actually. I wonder how this will play out for Egwene. She wants adventure, still young like Rand and the others, but is also trying to portray herself as more mature than she is. She has scolded Rand previously and now tries to hide that she finds something funny. The need to appear, I guess the word is disciplined, and or more experienced than she is, seems to sway her actions. Will this be cemented by her future? Will her path lead her into a role as someone leading, being the authority figure I see her as trying to portray, or will it break the element of the character? So I feel a prediction coming on here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push you for one, because this is quite detailed notes about just a simple moment um, as the book seems to portray it. I'm not going to say whether it is or isn't. Um, so you're saying here that, if I'm reading these right, and correct me if I'm not reading it right, that you you kind of feel that perhaps she's going to be some kind of authority figure further in the books. Am I reading that correctly? Uh, uh, we should hold on to this till the end of this chapter because the end of this chapter it takes place uh, in a mound under some trees and we pretty much get what's going to happen. Okay, we'll leave a pin in that for the moment. But no, I will, because I, will... I, I because I know the answer, and I've been it's been confirmed pretty much. Okay, I think by saying it here, it. Oh, oh, I could say it here if you want, but I I know the answer's confirmed. Okay, say it here then. Go go for it. We'll just then we don't have to come back to it. So she is going to become someone important. Okay, but <laughs> well, no, but you've put. Um, as someone leading, being the authority well, figure. Well, okay, yeah. Well, I, I guess authority figure is the right word. Some, someone of importance that uh, commands respect or commands fear and respect. Okay. I mean, <laughs> just in general sense, like, these are the, the four people, had to do maths for some reason, and three guys and a girl, uh, that have been taken out of a village Typical storytelling, typical story tropes would imply that these four people are going to be important to the story in general. Yeah, but no. she's, she's import, going to be important as a person of this world. Um, so she's going to be an yeah. actual leader of something. Is that what you're suggesting? Uh, well, leader is the wrong word, I okay. guess, but it, yes. <laughs> All right, well, let's use some real world analogies. Um, I mean, is she going to be like a CEO of a company, a prime minister, a president, a like a cult leader or something? You know, like give me some kind of analogy type thing. Uh, well, OK, so she's going to be a general, I guess. OK, right. That's kind of where my head is. That's she's it. not she's not going to be like a leader like. Uh, president or you know PM or whatever. So she's not going to be like a, she'll on. she'll she's not going to be a political leader. It's more going to be like uh, fighting the bad guys type leader. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. All right. Cool. I just uh, you know the there was quite detailed notes there talking about authority figures and stuff, and I was like, are you suggesting she's going to be you know? And I, I wanted to get yeah a title out of you, I suppose. <laughs> I I think so. Certainly, these notes were sort of stemmed from you know we. Previously, she was going to be uh, the wisdom. Right. That's where what she was interested in. And then she's been pulled off on this in this direction. And I. But you still think her story arc's going to end in some sort of. Some type yeah, of she, leadership. She ability. wants to be important. She wants to be important okay. in the 
the greater story, and she, that's what she's seeking. All right, cool. Okay, sorry to make you nail down a point there. <laughs> uh, we've got the whole crossing of the river. Um, Hightower is very uneasy about all of it. Um, he thinks he's going to get robbed, you know, uh, Land shaking the purse at him and stuff. Um, and it's just like, what's going on? Um, Rand's pops over the land while they're crossing. and be like, do you think Hightower would have tried to rob us? Um, you know, saying that it seems like they're more scared we're going to rob them. Um, and Land basically just says, Sometimes when others cannot see, they will do, you know, uh, what they will do. Men will do things that they would never if others could see. So basically it's like, you know, if they weren't there holding all those weapons and there weren't you know enough people to pay attention that perhaps they might not have gotten across or dropped halfway or who knows what. But it's it's kind of a weird interaction there. I never really got it myself. Yeah, it, it, the boat journey was a bit of a, an odd one, wasn't it? Yeah. Obviously, Rand is concerned that uh, Hightower might gossip to the Trollocs of Merdral and tell them where they've gone. Um, Land's like, can just basically keep shut. Um, <laughs> they get to the other side. Uh, Hightower wants his money. Moraine says, "You, if you paid extra silver piece for all the men for the speedy crossing, well, they all come down because they're enticed by silver. Hightower comes. Uh, you've put here, you hope he gets a bop on the head. <laughs> and says, you don't like Hightower. It was it was the staring at them and stuff on the boat. Well, just general interaction. I think he he was coming across aloof, and as it was shown on the boat, where he's uh, he's trying to act all like he's the the boss and the commander, and he's shouting orders and all the yeah. All okay. the guys are just like oh, whatever. <laughs> he, he's just a bit of a dick, is how he came across. Yes. Like, yeah. Bop him on the head. Get rid of him. Bop him on the head. Jobs. All right. Cool. <laughs> Well, you know, they all head down uh, to get their silver and uh, basically the boat gets loose or the ferry gets loose uh, and you've put it the Moraine has conjured a whirlpool to take the boat away, thereby rendering Hightower unable to ferry anyone across anytime soon. Both Moraine and Land let Hightower know it's unfortunate the boat is gone and Land offers gold <laughs> to cover the loss which Hightower takes before running away his men in tow. Uh, I struggled to feel any sympathy for high tariff i and that's quite mean of me but i don't know how did you feel at this moment uh, i mean I, I i think i felt more sorry for the uh the workers man. yeah because they're kind of they got dragged they, out they're, they're just doing their job you know they weren't being yeah and they they chase after him but they're chasing after him because he's just been given the money yeah they, they're not chasing him because he's like I think they feel like he's their leader as such. He's more like, oh, he's, he's got our livelihood. So he's, you know. Yeah. It, it felt a bit like a sorry situation. And, uh, to be fair, I did feel a little bit bad that his boat just got absolutely annihilated. Yeah, I felt a little bit. Um, I mean, obviously, <laughs> he doesn't have the context of what's chasing them. And, and now there's, you know, there's the theory that can't get them across type thing. But he's been paid for it. And he was a bit, do he's been heavily paid for it. And the guy's got compensation as well. So I struggled to feel too much sympathy here. Um, but uh, yeah, it would be interesting. It, I feel like in the in the context of the story, it was kind of, it happened very quick. I mean, she's, like, done, him a, wasn't... she's done him a favor. There's Trollocs and Merdral coming behind, you know, like, and they're stuck on this side of the river now. So <laughs> yeah, that's very true. It was, a, it was a whole weird moment anyway with them, I have to say, when I read this, I was like, 
uh, who's going to rob who, what's going on. Um, but uh, yeah, Moraine doesn't really blink. You know, she's like, eh, whatever's happened and, and off they go. And um, it's, they discuss the fog. Tom asks why she didn't extend the fog to cover them after they've crossed because she sent it up and down the river instead. And she explains that the crowd will tell the Merdral that the fog covers the river and the other side, knowing that it attacks Moraine to do that. And they may assume that they tried to escape down river and they'll have to divide their resources. Um, and, and Tom apologizes and says, thank you. Uh, Matt chimes in asking a question about the boat. And we get this fun moment of Moraine just like, well, if I had to say you everything, then I wouldn't have time to do anything. And uh, I'm going to get you safely to the Tavalina. That's all you need to know. <laughs> It made me question the, see, when I I read the first bit where Tom's asking the question, mm-hmm. I kind of thought it was a nice conversation, like just a general conversation. Yeah. And then when I read that, it made me rethink how maybe her tone was and was she actually just a bit annoyed at Tom as well, but she was polite and answered. And then when she's then asked another question, she's like, for God's sake, yeah. let me do what I need to do. I, I think I think that's fair. Um, you know, when people are, are, are tired, stressed, pressured, you know, you ask them a question, they'll they'll answer because any reasonable person will answer a question. But, you know, when you continue to, to stop them from doing what they're doing because you want to keep asking questions, the average person, most people would be like, leave me alone. And it's, it's really important to note that, as said previously, she is the only one there that will be really tired. Indeed. So, so actually, her, in, her way of interacting with people at this point is going to be quite strange because she's absolutely knackered. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a fair reaction, um, but you have to reflect on that to see it. Uh, I imagine no, when I first read it, I was just like, Ooh, don't ask questions. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, they head off from the drag, uh, from the, uh, the riverbanks of the part, you know, has to search the river. and doesn't just see them standing there. Um, Rand remembers an old saying, better to spit in a wolf's eye. Than to cross. Than to cross an eye. Yeah. I think we've just got a typo there. <laughs> the notes, uh, but the tension seems to have gone. Rand wants to stop. He's yawning. Gwen's yawning. And Rand tells Moraine they do need rest. Uh, and she replies that you see what Lan is doing. And they go up the bank to the woods beyond the river. And they stop. There's this large mound. It's basically a, a triangle of, of trunks and sticks and branches and roots. And there's a natural hideaway in there. Lan crawls out and tells Moraine that no one has been, no unwelcome visitors have been there. Um, and uh, in, in they go. Uh, Perrin points out the horses don't look as though they're tired and Lan tells them they would run their fastest if they were allowed right up to the point they dropped dead. And you've got a nice interesting note here that although the Aes Sedai powers have been used to help them, they have the potential to do greater harm. Can that be said for what's been done to Tam? Is there a cost to the healing that he has received, an unspoken breaking point? Do you have any follow-up thoughts to that? No, it was just a bit of a sort of, uh, I guess, just a thought. I just I was reading that and I was like, okay, so what are the consequences for for what's happened? Does this Obviously, does this come to everything she does? So, for example, she's channeled to create fog. Is there, you know, like every time well, she channels, is there some potential downside to it? I think I've worded that really arguably, badly. I think I would I would say that there should be. Okay. Because for every action, generally, there's a equal and opposite reaction that is true third law um, is it second law of thermodynamics so, oh God, someone's law or something someone who's listening law of current. <laughs> for those of you listening who understand I, I i feel like it's thermodynamics but it's definitely something out there uh, there is a law where everything has an opposite and equal reaction so yeah feel let us know uh, email 
now good talks at gmail.com um <laughs> i mean tell us about the show as well but yeah definitely that one <laughs> no not that necessarily that has to ring true in this this story in this setting no. i would have thought if there's going to be a cost for anything and whether it's uh fatigue or you know the fact that she's cast this this uh spell on the horses to ensure that they can keep going yeah They're, the cost to them is that they are unaware of the what it's doing to their body it's burning away the muscle it's you know it's it's essentially going to kill them right they it's, just don't understand the, yeah stop them feeling any form of exhaustion so they just feel totally refreshed uh, constantly uh, this is your notes kind of peter out here a little bit, sir. Um, but we're almost at the end of it, so yeah, like it was literally, I think, sort of two pages at the end. That's cool. I, haven't read. Uh, I say two pages, I mean like a, a page and a quarter. That's fine. Why don't you take yeah. us through the rest of the book? Um, the rest of the book, no, maybe not the rest of the book right now, <laughs> the rest of the <laughs> chapter. <laughs> and uh, day live stream, yeah, whoa. And just before you do that, um, you have no need to email us specifically about that law that we were just requesting because <laughs> chat has saved us. And um, if you would like to be part of chat, please consider joining my Patreon. I have some beautiful patrons that I'll be shouting out shortly. And uh, yeah, you get, as a benefit of that, you get to listen to the discussion. And we've had the source checked. So it's not just someone being throwing it out here. It is Newton's third law of motion. Thank you very much, snakes and foxes. Appreciate that. Um, but yeah. That will take us through that the last... That person is very much on it today. I love it. Hey, it's brilliant. I love chat. It's so good when you can have chat involved because, you know, they're just the feedback you get and, and the instant reaction to things. It's brilliant. So, but yeah, no, take us through the last sort of page and a bit of the chapter and uh, then we'll start wrapping things up. Okay. So, well, uh, so Moraine and uh, Egwene have gone inside while uh, the rest of them are tending to the horses and have this conversation. Uh, they then hear the Drakkar scream above them again, or somewhere near. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Lan says it's searching the river. Uh, and then they all go in. Um, and then they all start to go inside to join Moraine and Egwene, who are having a conversation. Um, and I, I sort of wrote it down what what is said. But it's essentially Moraine is explaining to Egwene about the uh, true source, the one power, mm-hmm. um, where it comes from. And I wrote it down because it's actually quite interesting. I don't know whether you want me to read it or whether it's worth posting somewhere. But as a oh, you can you can read through. Yes, the the quote that's uh, at the end of your notes. You can absolutely read through that. Go for it. It's um, it, it's a okay, good quote. So I think it is because it actually explains. It explains it in a way that it's not really touched upon, and it sort of helps me understand it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it says, The one power comes from the true source, the driving force of creation, the force the creator made to turn the wheel of time. Sadin, the male half of the true source, and Sadar, the female half, uh, work against each other, and at the same time to get together to provide the force. Uh, Sadin is f- fouled by the touch of the Dark One, like water with a thin slick of rancid oil floating on top. The water is still pure, but it cannot be touched without touching the foulness. Only Sadar is still safe to be used. I think at that point, the boys 
all start to sort of crowd in and they stay pretty quiet mm-hmm. as this conversation goes on. Uh, uh, let me just get to the bit I was at. No worries. The, the general gist from here for the end of the chapter is that Moraine then starts talking to Egwene about what an Aes Sedai is. Yeah. Uh, and that there is tests and things that you have to go through in order to become one. And then, is it a rock that she... No, it's a crystal, isn't it? That she pulls out, I believe. Uh, oh, yeah, the little stone. Uh, yeah, laid, uh, it is a stone, yeah. Pretty blue stone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she explains that it can give off light, and she hands it to Egwene, whose hands are trembling. Um, and then she kind of talks us through, um, focusing on it, letting her mind drift, uh, well, sort of just thinking of nothing, if she can. Rand, to one side, is sort of having a little bit of a freak out, which I, I quite <laughs> like. Uh, and he's actually thinking, as it says here, she has to fail, she has to. Um, which I think we should come back to in a second. But she's sat there with this stone in her hands and it begins to glow. And it sort of pulses uh, with a flash of blue and then it goes and then does it again and again and then it flickers. And at this point, Rand is still thinking, well, Moraine's doing that. It's not a grain. It's not a grain. It's Moraine. It's, you know. Uh, and then Egwene sort of looks up and says, uh, I thought I felt something. Perhaps you're mistaken about me. I'm sorry. Uh, I wasted your time. And Moraine lets her know that she had helped her the first couple of times, but it was actually Egwene that had made this stone flicker the last time. Mm. Uh, and essentially tells her that she's going to become an Aes Sedai. And that is where it ends. Yeah. Interesting sort of thing there. We're going back to the her being a um, general, as the, the analogy we ended up with. Yeah, I, 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 I couldn't... There's no way of saying it without saying Aes Sedai. And... You could have just said Aes Sedai. That would have been fine. Uh, yeah. But I would, have then, I would have then pinned you because you said, but you've said leader here. So, like, Aes Sedai is... There's, Aes Sedai is a collection of people. So I'm going to pin you a little bit more now. Um, so, yeah. Well, okay, they're a collection of people, but they seem to work um, separately to carry out tasks, don't they? So they're kind of a... Leader isn't the right word, but they're... Uh, they they guide people. And, and yeah, they also go out and battle against what they perceive as being bad. Okay, so um, you're just thinking, basically, she's going to be a nicer day and that's it. Is that what you're saying now? Well, yeah, that's kind of where my head's at. I mean, obviously, it, it could completely change, but that's, <laughs> it seems like she's looking for something. She's looking for somewhere to belong to be important. Okay. And that would fit, that would fit really well. Right. All right. I see where you're going with this. Fine. You could have just said that. <laughs> but I enjoy the fact that we discussed and I made you pin down the general and then we've gone, yeah, it's just going to be a nice today. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> cool. Anything you want to add on the end of just this, these few chapters we discussed? Is there anything you really want to be like, this was a pivotal moment or something I really want to remember that we've talked about or something? There's so many. I 
I feel like the biggest thing from from so far is it is the way it twists and turns. Mm-hmm. One, you, know, you constantly feel like things are stagnating, and then they completely, completely twist and turn. Even this last, you know, last two pages, bloody hell! <laughs> like, yeah, where did that come from, really? Because there was no lead up to that. There was no like. Ah, this might happen. It just, yeah, there you go. Turn uh, turn the page, and it goes from zero to sixty. You know. Yeah, I mean, so much has happened, and so much has been brilliant. And I think, bar the ferry bit, which was all right, was a bit boring. <laughs> but it, but it, at the same time, it wasn't because there was kind of some nice interaction and weird stares between people. Um, Every page is kind of a turner of where you're going, oh, oh, okay. So there is definitely not one specific thing I can think of that I want to pin down and be like, yeah, we need to come back to that. Okay, no worries. Uh, I will make a few notes of the things we've talked about. Um, But yeah, I think we can wrap it up there. Um, Thank you for joining me now. Uh, It's it's been a long time since we've managed to actually do this. Um, but I think it's been a lot of fun, even though we've only done four chapters and four chapters have taken us two and a half hours. <laughs> yeah, you should be really thankful I have only read four chapters. <laughs> oh, God, this is so funny. Before the UK went into second lockdown, we were going to actually um, sit down. I was going to take my equipment into work, meet you when you finished, and two of us sit down with a single mic and the laptop just to get the recording done, weren't we? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, Boris decided to change everything there. But uh, I'm glad we've still managed to get it done. And uh, before you get too much more reading under your belt, we'll have to try and get, I mean, Christmas is coming, so I don't know how much we'll get to record. Uh, But we'll have to try and get uh, something a tad more regular uh, because uh, four chapters, two and a half hours, that's, uh, wow. (laughs) Yeah, it's quite a lot for your uh, listeners or viewers to to get their heads stuck into, isn't it, really? I mean... uh... I think if we can aim for sort of an hour, hour and a half. Yeah, definitely. Well, I'll split uh, this one up. Uh, So for those listening uh, currently, this will be um, potentially the third recording with Ian. Well, I think, no, I'd ask the other one of the two as well. So this is recording four um, with Ian or five, depending on when you're listening. (laughs) Let's all split it up. (laughs) But no, yeah, it's it's been great. And we'll definitely try and get it um, into... Uh, shorter formats but uh, yeah thank you so much for for doing the reading Ian. and I'll, i do appreciate that um i, I don't that. know if you if you wanted to throw is there any questions that the uh discord wanted to ask me before i disappear that's a good point uh for the patriotes in the chat do you want to ask anything of null before we disappear if you've got nothing to ask and you've just enjoyed it that's fine obviously likewise um if you have a question for Null, feel free. You can tweet us. Null has a Twitter. Uh, it's at Null underscore Void, L-U-N-U-L underscore V-O-I-D. Uh, you can obviously tweet myself at Malkiri R. Um, we have no questions from chat. They've just really enjoyed the conversation, but I'm glad you've enjoyed it. That's brilliant. Uh, if you don't feel like tweeting, you don't have Twitter, you don't want to use Twitter, you can email Talks at gmail.com ask your questions give your feedback give pointers um you know if uh, you that i'm the only one who has access to that so if you want to talk spoilery stuff you can do that as well um so feel free to do that um but yeah please follow null on twitter 
Um, he's a bit. Is it what is the thing you listen to um, that you you often tweet about? No, um, it's not D and D, is it? Is it D and D? It is D and D. It's a um, it's a group called Questing Time, um, hosted by the DM Paul Foxcroft. Nice. Um, got a, a few. Well, it's four comedians essentially that are playing a D and D campaign. It's not very serious. It is full full of crazy stupid things so if you like insanity and you're even slightly into D, it's really worth a listen well thank you so much for listening uh ladies and gents do appreciate it if you like what i'm doing here if you if you enjoy the podcast and you want to support what i'm doing here the best way is to join my patreon um i have a lovely patreon family they're so generous and supportive and they're great to just chat to um the multiple layers you can join at any layer is appreciated um, you know, love you no matter what. If you just want to like and subscribe, as Null was so grateful to to punch out earlier and, and promo me. Uh, <laughs> oh, it's getting all breathy, ladies and gentlemen. Um, yeah, please do those things. Uh, send me feedback on all the content, and um, uh, especially if you like what I'm doing. But even if you don't and you have pointers, I'm always open to that as well. I love constructive criticism. Um, but, uh, yeah, not sure when we'll get you back Null. It depends on, on how much you read at the moment. There's not much because there's no trams. No need to use a tram, sorry. But I'm sure we'll have you back at some point. I'm looking forward to getting in about another dozen or so chapters, uh, not before the next podcast, but just in general, because there's um, an episode of Dusty Wheel I'd love for you to watch because we acted out some scenes from this book and it was hilarious. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to wrap it up there, ladies and gents. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, it's goodbye from me and goodbye from Null. And goodbye from you. And goodbye from us. <laughs> until next time, guys, sleep well and wake. Ah, no, 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 no. That's not what I say. Why do I say that? May you always find water and shade. <laughs>